Hello, and welcome to The Leader Lab, the podcast powered by Life Labs Learning. I'm your host and Life Labs leadership trainer, Vanessa Tunisian. In each episode, my lab mates and I distill our findings into powerful tipping point skills, the smallest changes that tip over to make the biggest impact in the shortest time. Welcome back to The Leader Lab for this special edition of the show. So for 2021, we wanted to debut something special, something that would help culminate your learning And we came up with The Wrap-Up. The Wrap-Up is going to be a long-form conversation where we get to deep dive into the theme we just talked about to really land what's so important about that particular topic. So for our listeners out there, get ready for this conversation on super learning. To join me in this conversation around super learning at The Wrap-Up table, we have Dr. McKendry Hickory, Masella Dukley, and Roble Curse. All right. Welcome back to the lab, y'all. Hey, Vanessa. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Oh, my gosh. I can already feel the enthusiasm emanating from my screen. So, so glad to have you all back on the show. So my first question, to honestly, just kick it off. What's so super about super learning? I know that we've been talking about it this entire time, but I don't know if we've been incredibly definitive around what makes this different than traditional learning. So whoever wants to take the baton here, please usher us in into this wrap-up conversation. Well, I'm off mute, so I'll go ahead and take a, a shot at this. Uh, <laughs> so for me, the, the great part about super learning is it takes an everyday activity, it makes it faster, and it makes it more valuable. That, that's really the goal. It's something that we're often looking for with our time, efficiency and quality. We're often making trade-offs. But with super learning, we've got such a marvelous... Uh, mess of brain in between our ears, you can actually get both if we take just a few steps. Plus one to what Roble is saying, but I also think that what's really super about super learning is the fact that we build in some efficiency here. We haven't really been taught how to learn. We're taught to learn and very early on. So what this does is makes you a master of your own learning and hopefully saves you a lot of time and effort along the way. I mean, the reason we're all at Life Labs is it's also super nerdy. So I think it's just worth naming that, like super, super learning, super nerdy. Um, but I guess the, the thing that makes a difference, we're learning all the time. Um, I'm really mindful of this. I'm, I'm training a puppy right now. And like he's learning all these little things day in and day out. But there's a distinct difference when I like before I feed him, we do like 10 minutes of, of literally like skill drills on how to sit, how to stay. So that's the difference for me is that you are specifically getting into that that opportunity to really amplify the learning that's already taking place. So in thinking about super learning, this idea of thinking about thinking, drawing some awareness around the way that a person learns, we talked about deliberate practice, we talked about powerful questions, and we talked about extraction skills. So these are all the components, these key essential behavioral units that allow somebody to be a super learner. Why is super learning important in today's working world? I would love to pass this on over to Masella, our new head of L&D at Life Labs. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when you think about today's workplace, which is primarily remote, maybe some people are exploring hybrid, and I'm sure that will be the future of things. It's really important to make sure that people have the resources and the skills, the capabilities that they need to be able to be productive and do the work that they need. So with all of that being said, I think when we think about L&D in particular, it's important that people have a foundation to learn from. 
time to learn, ability to learn, and know how to learn in a way that's effective rather than passive. Gotcha. So this idea of making it active. Dr. Hickory. Yeah, I think two thoughts come to mind for me. The first is just, I mean, if this last year has shown us anything, it's that things are constantly changing. And so people's ability to be able to adapt and acquire the skill set that's going to make them successful in whatever the new (laughs) context, circumstance, uh, challenge is, I think requires our ability to learn rapidly, but to really know specifically how to learn, right? How to be in that moment of stuckness or change and figure out how can I learn through this? And then I, the other component for me that stands out, particularly kind of building on the remote workspace, is that ability to self-manage, right? When our managers can't see us, when we're not with people, we got to be able to essentially learn on our own in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so folks' ability to be working from home and figure out how to learn and adapt, right? It's going to make them more successful, but also our teams and organizations. Let's invite Roble. Why don't you wrap us up on this question? What are your thoughts on why super learning is so important today? Well, I mean, there's not really much left given what everyone else (laughs) has already added here. But I am reminded of something that Leanne, our founder uh, at Life Labs, uh, used to talk about quite a bit. There's this idea of outlearning the competition. You want to bring in the best people you can into an organization. But from there, once you've got those folks on the bus, so to speak, the real differentiator is often in in a turbulent environment, how quickly can you learn? And can you learn faster than the other folks that you're competing against? Uh, so I think that that's one big reason. Uh, the other big value add from my perspective is it's really a point of mutual interest for organizations and for in- individual employees alike to be great in this area. It's something that helps advance the organization when teams are learning more, uh, but it also advances individuals' careers. It's what helps them move to the places they want to be in life and in the workplace. Oh, man, I feel like that is a reality show tagline, outlearn, outpace, outlast (laughs) in today's day and age. So thinking about the fact that in order to be successful in today's economy, in today's world, super learning is really going to set people apart. I'm curious, where have we seen super learning work well or what types of environments really support uh, super learning and happening? Anybody can take this one. Well, McKendry's smiling. It looks like she wants to go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I go first, then I can say all the golden nuggets, you know, and leave leave scraps for the rest of y'all. Um, I mean, I think a really specific example comes from engineering teams for me, or particularly even design product teams that are working in like a two-week sprint methodology. Like built into that method is at the end to do a retrospective and talk about like what went well over the last two weeks. What can we learn? How can we apply that to the upcoming sprint? So that's a really specific tactical example that always comes to mind of where I see this work well. Yeah. So this idea of taking the time to hit the pause button and really figure out what can we be doing better next time. And I do see this a lot in the world of you know development and engineering. And I'm curious, Masella or Roble, have you seen um, this style of pausing, doing a postmortem happen on any other teams that we've worked with over you know the past few years? What makes engineering teams product teams, design teams so unique is that they're already really comfortable with feedback because it's very much the nature of what they do. I imagine that there are other teams out there that might have this culture, but I think it's one of the major blockers that can make learning of this style uh, effective or puts it in the position of being ineffective when teams first and foremost are not comfortable with like making mistakes. Mm. So I think foundationally, it's important to really think about what the feedback culture at your organization or just within your team in general actually looks like. I think the more 
uh, normal it is, the more natural it is, the more capable people are of knowing how to give feedback, the more effective it will be and create more opportunity for, you know, super learning to actually really happen. Gotcha. So super learning and feedback skills go hand in hand. Roble, what do you think about that? Yeah, plus one to what Masella and McKendry both mentioned already. Uh, if I was to give a third example here, uh, I'd include just seeing it in leadership. So this reminds me of uh, Patrick, uh, a CEO at one of our partner organizations. He's great at this. One of the things that I noticed was his really quick uh, picking up of what we talked about in our sessions together and then immediate application going forward in his teams, but also just more broadly in his life. Uh, I came back and worked with him maybe two weeks after we had just talked about meetings. And uh, I shared with him this way of setting up meetings and, and giving some introductions. And literally, my, the next time I saw him two weeks later, he was giving me a hard time about not having used that introduction that I had just <laughs> taught him two weeks ago. Uh, he called me out in the middle of the workshop. And, uh, you know, was there a better time for feedback? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but uh, definitely mm-hmm. really appreciated how quickly he was picking it up and putting it into practice. It really models it for everyone else across the company. Okay, so I'm already hearing two key gems here, feedback skills, and then also as a leader, role modeling this behavior will really allow super learning to take hold in your organization. Uh, I want to know what other barriers might be coming up as far as super learning is considered. So we have leadership on board, feedback skills, anything else that folks need to take into consideration when trying to make super learning a way of life? McKendry? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the the barrier we all face in the workplace is just the stress of things. Um, so mm. people are not going to, you know, think about a time that you've learned a really great lesson. Chances are it wasn't when you were trying to get like a really high stakes project done in an hour. You know, there's not a lot of extra brain space, if you will, to really focus on our learning. So what we see really great super learners do is really taking that moment to pause and reflect. So in times where people are feeling a lot of pressure, when expectations haven't been made clear, when there's competing priorities and folks are just constantly trying to keep their head above water, it's going to be really hard to build in those small moments of reflection. Um, So getting really clear on how do we give people that space to recharge or even building it into these other moments we have with people like one-on-ones or team check-ins is a way that we can build in that moment to reflect uh, amidst what is always feels like a really chaotic or stressful day. I totally hear that. So Siemens uh, just published something on HRD Connect, which was talking about how their U.S. HR strategy was focused on initiatives that would help build the workforce, empower managers, and then lead a, le- lead a leadership culture. And it really encapsulates a lot of what the three of you are saying, where we have to be really intentional around being super learning. Otherwise, it's just not going to be happening. And we want to be able to align this desire to be super learning folks with the goals and visions that we have uh, as a company. So I guess my other question, now that we're talking about this in an organizational capacity, I'm going to just keep belaboring this point here. What else might an organization do to embed some super learning practices? I think it's helpful to tie in the super learning practices into rituals that people already do. Mm -hmm. So for example, maybe it's saying, hey, we'll use five minutes in every one-to-one that we have to talk about what you've learned this week. Or maybe it's even as a company when you're doing an all hands, taking time out on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis to talk about, hey, here's what we've extracted, what could have been better, what what went very well. I, I think just societally, we really struggle with this process of pausing to reflect similarly to what McKendry just mentioned. It's not so much that people 
don't recognize the importance of the pause to reflect and readjust. It's just that I don't think we often equate that process to work learnings or work habits, work skills. Namely, you know, we talk about this a lot in our intensive workshops at Life Lab. So manager intensive, the goal here is to really think about what it takes to become a master at something. Mm -hmm. And it means that we have to kind of really pause, look at one specific component, readjust, get feedback, so on and so forth. People do this really well. Constantly in that workshop, you know, we're asking people, what's a skill that you've acquired? People tell me mountain biking and skateboarding and playing the guitar and cooking. And they'll tell me all the things that you should do, but don't really think to kind of equate it again to maybe being a great public speaker or running a meeting well to Robles Point. So what I'm hearing you say is we need systems in place to support the behaviors. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Okay, so we're talking about feedback skills, but do we have a performance review system that is going to support that? Those two things need to happen in tandem if we really want to see some real movement and progress occur as far as learning anything within an organization. Are your systems aligned with the traits that you're asking for within your organization? Yes, and even beyond that, having a value that you care about feedback and having a performance review system that only happens once or twice a year is not enough. Mm. So really, like if you want an emphasis on a behavior, you have to make sure that that repetition is happening on a regular cadence. Copy that. So I'm curious as an individual, and we've talked about this in previous episodes with some BUs, uh, those skill sets that we teach on this show, what have we not talked about in the super learning series that individuals can begin to think about on their super learning journey? I mean, I, th I think something I can add to this of things that individuals can be really mindful of is really taking ownership of your own learning. And so uh, maybe this is a question you actually drop into your one-on-one -on -one template with your manager to say, hey, on a weekly basis, you know, I'd love for you to ask me, what did I learn this week? What am I going to apply it to? Um, other tactical ways, I don't know if we've necessarily touched on, is just making it a habit. And so things mm -hmm. that I know we do at Life Labs, I absolutely love, is all of our project planning builds in learning goals. And so not only am I talking about the milestones, the timelines, right, who the interdependencies are, I'm also outlining like what's something I want to learn and extract from this. Um, so I think on the individual level, like looking for the opportunities to actually build this into your processes so it's consistent uh, and not just this thing that's done randomly when you're sitting on the couch and you're like, oh yeah, I should reflect today, uh, which I know for me doesn't happen often when I'm <laughs> competing with Netflix. <laughs> I feel that uh, you possibly put a camera behind me after work to be like, huh, I should really do some reflection today. But I want to dive into this idea of owning your own growth on your super learning journey. I think that's really powerful. But when people hear that, they're like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? Um, McKendry, you highlighted two really cool things. I'm curious, aside from, you know, putting it into a one-on-one -on -one with your manager and thinking about reflection time, what else as an individual will allow me to make super learning a habit? And this can be up for anyone. So one thing that that stands out to me as, as basically the enemy of super learning is ego. Mm. Humility is really underneath learning. And until we recognize that we have room to grow, we recognize our imperfections, it's really difficult to intentionally take steps to get better, uh, creating processes or having it happen uh, by circumstance. Uh, so for me, it's first taking a look at whatever I'm doing, 
where do I already have a bit of ego and start to maybe let a little bit of that go just so that I can take a look more clearly and say, what room is there really to improve in this area? The trick here is that we often want to get better at areas that are really important to us. uh, And that's when the ego starts to pop in Uh, Mm -hmm. and it can happen in our personal relationships just as quickly as it can happen in the workplace. So anything that I think I'm good at, it's important for me to be good at. I would take a really close look and and see where is the ego preventing me from seeing where there's room to grow. Um, The other big one that whenever I talk about building habits, um, once we've taken a look at that ego, putting in place those implementation intentions or those if-then goals that we've talked about before. Uh, And for me, when it comes to super learning, if I'm looking at a a macro level skill, something like running meetings, for example, uh, one of the best meta level questions that I can build as an if-then Hey, if I'm starting a meeting, then I'm going to ask myself, what am I trying to get better at on purpose? Right? And just that one question asked enough times is going to allow me enough intentional practice to improve in those areas. What I think is super important that you illuminated, Roble, is this idea of a learning orientation, right? That our ego can get in the way of us actually moving forward. It reminds me of Carol Dweck's work, which we've referenced before, but this idea of this growth mindset versus that fixed mindset. And ego is deeply rooted, I think, in fixed mindset, saying this is who I am. And uh, it gets in the way. So really appreciate you surfacing that. And Masella, I know that you have something on the tip of your tongue. What's on your mind? Yeah. So something that I often share in our career growth workshop and something I've been doing for years is just making sure I'm actually tracking what I have been doing, what I'm learning. So I have a doc that I've had probably for like six years now, and it's called What I'm Doing Right Now. I imagine you can name it something way more sophisticated, but literally everything. It's like, I just had a really rough you know, conversation with a colleague. What did I learn? What did I, you know, what was the challenge going into it? Or maybe it's like, okay, I'm going into this project. Here's what I have in my mind about how it's going to be. Here's what it ended up being. The real goal here is essentially like I started using it as a resume bank, so to speak. You know, you go into interviews and they ask you, can you tell me about a time when (laughs) whatever? And you're sitting there, you know, wondering or twiddling your thumbs. But and if I don't jot these things down, it's really, especially in a year like this or a past year like this, that's filled with tons of monotony Mm -hmm. to say, I'm not learning anything, which is just completely untrue. You're learning something every day for the most part. And it's just about being able to highlight it and sort of extract what's most important from it. Yeah. So being super explicit about it. The other thing that I want to mention is I I also have a variation of that called nice emails about me. So that allows me to actually categorize the things that I've gotten positive feedback from from other folks. So that way I can use that as part of my learning process as well. So it's a, you know, a nice uh, also rainy day uh, moment if I'm having a bad day to look back on some of the things I've done well. Roblay looks like something is on your mind. You know, I was talking about some of these challenges and and I think ego certainly is one of them. Honestly, another big one is this kind of like lack of confidence that we we have in ourselves sometimes. And uh, you know, I might want to get better at something, I might want to improve in an area, but uh, sometimes we say to ourselves like I I can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or or I have no evidence to suggest that I can do that. And for me, it what that creates is just this lack of freedom in, in how we live our lives and what we do decide to learn and ultimately do with the lives that we have. For me, I, I try to encourage folks to consider this faith. Now, I'm mean, going mean, to use the word faith, and that can bring up a lot of different connotations for people. But what I mean by faith in this context is in contrast to confidence, right? Confidence, hey, I've got some evidence that shows that I am good at this. I will be able to do it again in the future. 
Faith is the absence of that evidence. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you don't have evidence that you will be successful at it. And yet you do it anyway. And Mm. when you look at super learners, they do have this faith in themselves. They recognize, hey, uh, I don't have any indication that I'll be able to learn a new language, right? Or switch careers and pick up something uh, mid-career. And yet they go about it and they do it anyway. Uh, And it takes an element of faith in ourselves to intentionally make that shift. So if you notice, uh, you know, if anyone's listening, you notice that hesitation or lack of confidence, sure, acknowledge it, lack of lack of evidence, but maybe have some faith in yourself and take that first step and see how it goes. Totally. It reminds me of one of our Life Labs values, courage over comfort. And sometimes I think courage and confidence can live in the same room, you know? Uh, I might not be confident, but the courage will allow me to, I don't know why I made that sound effect, but you get what I'm saying, but we can't treat. <laughs> you know, make that (laughs) happen. Um, But Dr. Hickory, curious what's on your mind here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be a podcast with Roble without something mentioned around ego. So I'm (laughs) glad we can can check the box on that one. Um, But I think the other thing, I'm glad you brought up the values, Vanessa, because something that's also standing out to me is, although we're talking about super learning as an individual, I think it's really important to consider the environment that you're surrounded Mm -hmm. by. Um, we often talk at Life Labs in our strategic thinking session, this three lenses model and, you know, the ability to think about things from multiple angles and systems and levels. And I was working with a team not too long ago and I was teaching them about doing basically reflection, right? Doing these pre-mortems, these post-mortems. And they're like, yeah, yeah, the tool's good. We have a culture of perfectionism. And so like, this is never going to work for us. Mm. And it was such a great example to me of there's a lot we can do on our own. We also need to be really mindful of the environment that surrounds us. And so that we can start to really dissect, like, where is this fear? You know, as really was speaking to that confidence piece, like where might that fear be coming from? And it might actually be a product of the environment. And so trying to also diagnose what's going on there. Otherwise, you can get in a cycle of just like, oh, I suck at learning. I'm not good. Right. And then you're just adding to that sense of failure. <laughs> Um, so this is an interesting example that recently showed up for me. For sure. The environmental elements really make a difference as far as super learning as an individual. All right. So we've uncovered so many interesting ideas, insights around this conversation and super learning. So I want to kind of bring us to a wrap here. What are some final thoughts you have for those super learners out there? And as a bonus, what are you looking to super learn in the next few months? As a final tip, I think one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that this super learning journey is not about being a master in a certain amount of days or months or whatever the case. I think we're constantly learning. I know for me, when I think about my journey as a home chef, if you will, you know, I probably wouldn't have felt as confident as I do in my ability to cook with like pretty much anything and everything if it weren't for this past year, just because of the fact that I've had time to do it. And I don't think that that's something that necessarily could have been forced either. Obviously, people go to like cooking school, but I don't think that that's where they like master their ability. So it's important to give yourself space and time and of course, be deliberate along the way. But I don't think it needs to be within these like very firm boundaries. So essentially just be gentle with yourself. There's a lot of learning happening all the time. It's just going to be your responsibility to kind of pause and reflect on what has changed as you go along your journey. Yeah, I guess the the other thing for me probably connected to that that sense of like faith and ego and stuff is also finding like 
why do you actually want to get good at this thing? Uh, I know there's so many things that I've been like, I'm definitely going to pursue that. And a week later, I'm like, yeah, I don't care about that. (laughs) Um, So I think it's also like finding why does this matter? Thinking of Angela Duckworth's research around grit, right? And that these people have to really enjoy something for a long period of time to deliberately practice and super learn, particularly the skills that aren't as fun to learn. So I think that that's the other one, like find a meaning, find motivation, find something you're really actually interested in and can invest in. And then as Masella said, like break it up into small steps so you can really track your progress through the journey of learning. I can share a brief example. I am working particularly on my own strategic thinking skills. And a part of strategic thinking is like being able to actually then say what it is you've strategically thought about. Um, So I'm working on sharing opinions, everything from like what I actually want to dinner versus like my insight on a process update that we're considering at the leadership level. Um, So for me, just like getting into that BU of sharing an opinion, even in small ways, has been a way that I'm honing in and focusing on that particular skill set of becoming a better strategic thinker. Awesome. Love that. And Roble, what are your final thoughts? Wow. I mean, we're just getting life lessons here from Miss Ellen McKendry. Uh, I'm not sure I need to be here, but uh, (laughs) if I was going to add something in, in terms of takeaways here, once you figure out what's important and you figured out your why, make sure that you're really clear about what it is you're trying to accomplish. Um, taking the time to get specific and really tangible about what it is you you wish to learn and what you'll be able to do with that knowledge once you've learned it. Uh, once you spend that time, often the plan for how to accomplish it gets much, much easier. And we also start to see some of the benefit or the impact that we can have from learning these things as well. So taking that time to get clear, uh, I think goes a long way. And with that, find somebody that is really excited for you to learn this thing too. Like create that environment for you, which which often comes down to the social environment. Do you have someone that really is excited about the success that you'll have in the future? And if I could give you a, a pro life lesson, it would be to find someone that you're equally happy to share with them the successes that you have. And you're also happy to bring your failures to them. You've got that kind of relationship with them. Find someone like that. And all of a sudden, this learning process gets a lot easier. Masella Roble McKendry, thank you for joining us on this edition of the wrap up on super learning. I hope to see you in the lab soon. Can't wait. See ya. Bye. And that's a wrap of another episode of The Leader Lab. Make sure to subscribe and share this with at least one other person so we can all benefit from being super learners. It's pretty exciting. The Leader Lab is executive produced and hosted by me, Vanessa Tunisian. Neandra James is our senior producer and Alana Berman is our director and editor. If you'd like to hang out with us on social, go ahead and find us on LinkedIn at Life Labs Learning and on Twitter at Life Labs Learn. To bring training to your team, head on over to lifelabslearning.com. See you in the lab soon.